The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services. Hey everybody, welcome to the Monday Follies on the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Glad to have you with me today and uh, my guest this week, Alan Langer, of course, is the editor here at Deadline Detroit. Thank you for being here. Appreciate Thanks it very for much. having me. Appreciate my friend Saeed Khan back once again, not necessarily to talk really intense political stuff, but instead to have a little bit of fun here on the Follies. He, of course, is a professor at Near East and Asian Studies, or lecturer in Near East and Asian Studies, senior lecturer. I know that you guys Third time care. Lucky. Academics I, care I about care. these titles. I, I know I you don't, don't but somebody above you may, and so I've got to be careful with that kind of stuff. Well, we're here for intense fun today. So. That's exactly right. So, Professor of Fun, we can say professor that, right? Khan <laughs> is back. Okay. Okay. Sorry, I had to do that just one time. All right, so uh, basically what we try to do is make fun of stuff that's in the news this week, and President Trump, of course, is always on the follies because he's always doing something that at least makes you chuckle. Even if you sit there and it makes you scratch your head, it makes you want to scream, a lot of the stuff he does makes you chuckle. So he's been on a tweet storm as of late, absolutely going after everybody and everything, especially the Mueller report. As of late for the last two years. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, speaking of the last two years, he now seems to think, at least via tweet, that he needs a do-over, saying, you know what? I had two years stolen from me. I should get those back. Raising the specter of a potential of an extra two years added onto the presidency, which, of course, he was joking about. At least we think so. Um, but how confident are we that he was joking about wanting that? It wasn't his idea. We should probably give credit where credit is due. Well, let's see. I mean, one of, one of the big themes on this show about where we get our material is Florida. Yeah, he plays right. golf in Florida. Uh, from what people say about the way that he plays golf, uh, he takes a lot of mulligans. So taking a mulligan for the first two years, I'm not really too surprised See, but, he wants to do but that. mulligans are actually, you know, when you say you're taking a mulligan, you actually announce you're taking a mulligan. When you kick the ball out of the woods and say, oh, here's my shot, that's just cheating. That's not a mulligan. Winter rules. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But But think about it. I mean, this notion that two years were stolen from President Trump. I mean, yeah, he was under investigation. But he has been talking about how much he has accomplished over these first two years. So how can you argue that they were stolen from you if indeed you've done so much for this wonderful country? I I think he should get two years less because I think the American people feel like they've had their two years stolen (laughs) of of dignity for the office. And so I think think it's about done. You know, we do the math right. But, I mean, the, the fact is there are some people out there who are, like, outrageous that he even, you know, put something like this out there. Right. I, I took it for what I thought it meant, and it was indeed a joke, you know, saying, hey, if I imagine what would have happened had I not been bothered this whole time. But you look at some people on the left are genuinely concerned that he means this. Uh, at certain points, there are some elements of Trump derangement syndrome at play with the reaction that I've seen to this over the last couple of days. Sure, but I think at the same time what we have to look at is that he can go ahead and maybe even distract people by taking it as Spinal Tap, 35th anniversary right now, <laughs> I would say, to an 11. Yeah, that's right. It may be seen as completely unconstitutional for him to go ahead and do that. But what we have to then think about is what could he get away with by bending the Constitution There's reports now that he could weaponize various government agencies, including the Department of Justice, to go after Democratic candidates, 
uh, to go after his own enemies list. So I think that on the one hand, he may be showing us that uh, this this fatwa from Jerry Falwell, that he deserves another two years, may be seen as a bit outlandish. But at the same time, if you take everything into its totality, uh, we it's going to be a bumpy ride for the next 18 months. Uh, absolutely. I, I, I think... You know, just the fact that he says something doesn't matter anymore. I mean, we go from the Billy Bush tape, and then it's all downhill. It doesn't matter. We're we're sort of immune to what he says. Anything outrageous, anything he does. I mean, the bar is so low now for what our expectations are of a president. You know, if if what he said, if another president said what he said— there would just be outrage day after day. It'd be like, oh, my God, Nixon, we better lock him up. He's insane. But this guy has just numbed the American public to what he says, and people don't care. People, His followers don't care whether he tells the truth. They'll say, I like his policies. Uh, I mean, the standard for the truth, he really, if anything, I mean, it's been amazing that he has taken the concept of truth and really bent it and, and with, with some success. Well, you know, and you take a look at um, policies. People say they like his policies. Well, the market doesn't like his policy too much. He, of course, announced an acceleration of the expansion of tariffs on China by the end of the week, saying, oh, I'm going to expand the tariffs to all Chinese products to 25% by the end of the week, saying China pays tariffs. No, consumers pay tariffs. That's (laughs) the way that works. People need to remember this. You're the one that pays the tariffs when they put the tariffs on the Chinese products because they're still going to be cheaper than U.S. products, but your cost is going to go up. So who pays the tariffs? Consumers pay the tariffs. So 25% he expanded. The market dropped 450 points on the open this morning, which in the grand scheme of things is not huge. But it certainly suggests that not everybody is that comfortable with the policies, even right, on the right. so-called conservative side, you know, these, these right, people who sure. are making all this kind of money under Trump right now. Well, I want to know how many people were shorting stocks over the weekend in anticipation of the market opening so low today. Uh, because probably somebody, a bunch. somebody made a killing. Well, it, you know, it just seems sort of like this sort of whiplash policy. It's, it's here, and then all of a sudden you're jerked over this way, and uh, we're all going to need neck surgery by the time this is over. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's it's getting ridiculous. Uh, okay, something else the president chimed in on, and this is not necessarily related to him directly, uh, but his response to it is interesting. The Kentucky Derby. Now we can talk a little bit about the Kentucky Derby in just a minute and what happened there. But of course, the look what looked like the winner of the race was disqualified for blocking and impeding the path of multiple other horses throughout the course of the race, which is a no no. It is against right. the rules. Sure. But President Trump chalked it up to political correctness that changed the outcome of the Kentucky Derby, to which I said, wait, is, is, is he bending to horses' rights? I don't understand what's going on here. What, what political correctness could there possibly be that affected the outcome of, of this race? Equine th- rights. Equine rights. That's right. I, I think he was <laughs> deflecting uh, the anticipated accusations of Russian collusion. <laughs> and so he was getting ahead of the game. So. It's Baffert collusion, I right. think. Uh, but, right. you know, that that horse that did win, that was named the winner, came off of, what, 65 to 1? <clears throat> which are pretty good odds for anybody that puts some money on that horse. So right. pretty excited about that. But at the same time, I mean, should the president be chiming in on the results of the Kentucky Derby at all? Well, I mean, it would probably be nice if he would have said anything in a tweet about the uh, mass shooting at University of North Carolina, Charlotte. Uh, that's true. Uh, that which, did not happen. Which he didn't. But the Kentucky Derby obviously was within his uh, <laughs> his frame of reference to go ahead and co- uh, 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 comment. On. But look, uh, what he's essentially uh, still talking about here is whether or not he himself was qualified to win the election. I mean, he's essentially now 
channeling or projecting not on another candidate but on a horse uh, whether or not maximum security as he said was yeah. the best in the in the race and should have won but there was a technicality which looked kind of like the it. electoral college exactly <laughs> yeah. i yeah. mean you know it's, it's like yeah, yeah you won you won on a rules uh, on a rules interpretation That's there right. Uh, but it was a weird race, though. I mean, I don't know if anybody had a chance to watch it. I mean, that, that horse led, and it seemed like when it got towards the end, it had another gear that it kicked into, and it started getting challenged. And then, of course, they, what, it took them a long time to figure out what they were going to do. But 22 agonizing minutes yes. to figure out who won the race, yeah. And so I, anybody feel cheated about that result? Anybody feel it was wrong or, or incorrect? Well, I think the horse. <laughs> well, it depends. I mean, if the horse. I mean, there's rules. There's there's rules there, and the rules are in place for for a reason to have a fair race. And if it's not a fair race, uh, you know, I mean, you hate it's 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 like in an NBA contest or NHL. I mean, near the very end, particularly near the end, the last few minutes, it's a tie score. Uh, somebody commits a foul or a penalty, and the refs let it go because they don't want to impact. But at some point, I mean, if it's such a egregious violation, you can't ignore it. Um, you know. Well, here more than one uh, horse or horse trainer owner uh, lodged a complaint. Sure. And I think, given just the sheer volume of complaints, the stewards had to go ahead and take a look right. at it. Right. And I can't even profess to know anything about horse racing and about all the rules, but apparently. It was a muddy track, and uh, maximum security slid into somebody else's uh, quote-unquote lane yep. or into their uh, their forward progress, and uh, and that created a chain reaction. And uh, came off the rail. They were the on the rail. rail, and they're not supposed to do that, apparently. So yeah. impeding traffic. I think that's what they call it. Yes, I've had a few of those <laughs> tickets right. myself. For, Actually, they're called speeding. But then when yeah. you get to the police station, they all of a sudden become impeding. impeding. But, but no right. points. Pay the fine. Get out of there. It's great for the city, and it's better for your record. But right. it's, it's zero points on uh, on their record. So That's exactly right. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's move on here. Let's stay in sports for just a second because uh, big news that's that's being reported out of uh, the hockey world in the last couple of, uh, really the last 12, 13 hours or so. It looks like Ken Holland, who of course was the general manager of the Red Wings for many, many moons, is moving on to Edmonton for the general manager's job there. Now, when Steve Eiserman was announced as the new GM at the Red Wings, they made it seem like everything was hunky-dory and that Ken Holland was going to take this senior VP position oh, and I, stick I, around with the family. Well, he Nobody he, bought that. Yeah, I nobody, know. Nobody bought that. I mean, Ken Holland was replaced. Uh, he was going to be a consultant or something. Well, I mean, vice it, president it was, of hockey operations yeah, right, is the it, title they gave him. Right, but it, 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 was, it was a given that he was leaving. And, and obviously, it, it didn't take that long. I mean, he's, he's still... You know, five million bucks a year on the market. Yeah, five million bucks a year, but but you're going to Edmonton. Right. Is that Canadian dollars or is that American? Yeah, dollars? Uh, not question. sure. That's. I think everything in the NHL is now done in American dollars. If is I'm it not mistaken? Okay. Wow. Well, maybe. Maybe not. It's good money. The headquarters but, are in Toronto. So. But the thing is, I mean, uh, I asked the question. Edmonton still has a team. Uh, I mean, they haven't really been competitive in a while. But so. they've got some really, really good young talent. I mean, yeah. they've got Connor McDavid on that team. If, I don't know if you watch hockey at all, but this kid can play. Uh, just, But Edmonton might be the coldest large, <laughs> you know, the coldest city where there's a sports team, mm. I think, anywhere. 
Uh, it is until until you get the Reykjavik Raiders or <laughs> something. Well, <Reykjavik laughs> no, actually, actually, probably pretty nice. They got volcanoes. It's, it's pretty and stuff nice. There. Yeah, yeah. So you're right. I think so, I mean, it'd have to be Nome or something like that yeah. to, to get much colder than Edmonton. Edmonton routinely has some of the coldest temperatures on the North American continent. Yeah. Um, and so. Ken Holland, good luck. Good yeah, luck. But right. I'm not sure I'd want to be going to Edmonton yeah. in well, January. Well, for $5 million, I'll, I'll go to Edmonton. Uh, you know. I don't know. $5 million a year? Yeah, maybe. You know, maybe. He can fly in from somewhere warmer. That's right. Yeah. He, can, he can afford he can, he to go to Florida. And, yeah. uh, you know. All right. So I, I did have a, a request not too long ago from, from a regular viewer of the Follies, regular listener of the Follies, saying, hey, you need to get into more Michigan politics. And, and for a lot of reasons, I've been staying away from Detroit stuff for a while because – you know, ethical concerns, firewall, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I can get into county politics a little bit. L. Brooks Patterson went on Michigan Matters yesterday, Carol Kane's program on Channel 62. Uh, and he's a regular panelist there. But she interviewed him to talk a little bit about his life after his diagnosis uh, with pancreatic cancer, what he's going to do. And he was cracking jokes. But then she asked him about leadership in the state of Michigan and asked, who's your favorite mayor? He said, probably Mike Duggan because he's getting things done. She asked him what he thought of Rick Snyder. And he said, oh, he's a rhino, Republican in name only. I'm mad at him and likely will be for a long time. So it sounds like like he's going to take this to the grave with him. He's really ticked off over what he said were bad appointments made by Rick Snyder Uh and the fact that he wasn't hewing to Republican standards in terms of the way he governed the state. I think that may be a shock to a lot of the liberals here in Michigan that Rick Snyder, you know, wasn't conservative enough. But Brooks was not laying it out there. I was really shocked that uh, at this point in time he he was going to go after him like that. Rick Snyder came in as supposed to be a Milliken Republican, and and I think he had conversations with Milliken uh, during the first first race. Um, I think he ended up acquiescing to the Republicans over the right to work. Uh, I think he was trying to keep himself in line just in case he could get a job in Washington. And I think the Flint water thing just totally sank him. But I, I never got a sense. He, he was sort of vacillating between being that Republican and being that Milliken Republican. And I don't know that he did either one very well. No. I mean, it seemed as though uh, Snyder let Mikoff in uh, in the state legislature pretty much run roughshod. Yeah. So I don't know what he was saying that he wasn't being Republican enough for uh, for Elbrooks. Well, here's what he said. He said the appointments that he made were not Republican formed. He had a chance to continue the Republican philosophy, and he sold out. I will be ticked off at him for a while, which I thought was a little shocking. I mean, it's not as if Oakland County has not rebounded pretty nicely in the last few years. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, since since the great recession. But it also, I mean, begs the question, well, Republican version one, version two, I mean, it seems like the Republican Party has changed quite a bit. So, I mean, as you said, that if uh, Snyder was a, uh, a Millican Republican, I think the only thing that Brooks has a problem with is his memory, <laughs> is uh, is that there used to be other kinds of Republicans. Now, did he want him to be an Angler Republican? Uh, that, that would have been a different story altogether. <laughs> Absolutely. But it was just, uh, you know, Brooks has never shied away from basically saying whatever is on his mind, so um, don't be shocked about that one. Uh, interestingly enough, he also said that uh, he thinks that Donald Trump is doing what he called a hell of a job, and said, you I, know, I think that's a apropos, a hell of a job. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is, yeah. is that it? I mean, a hell of a job, like like Mike Brown from FEMA with yeah. Katrina. Right, yeah. right, right. But you know, Brooks. He's not. He's gonna. He's gonna leave after this term. You know. He's obviously gonna be dealing with this cancer issue for for right. a while, hopefully, and and uh, has to fight it because I don't want to see anybody, you know, go away. But um, 
is it his time anyway just to i mean is his style of leadership something that's going to work in the new oakland county you live in oakland county i do and i don't see the the oakland county as it is uh really a, uh, abiding another l brooks patterson i think there's enough uh there's enough ill will there uh i think even when it comes to the big businesses that that exist in oakland county they have to recognize that their uh their their employees are are ones that don't see eye to eye with with brooks and what he wanted for the county. So I think that there's going to be a shakeup. I mean, who knows? I know Andy Meisner is, uh, is certainly a name that's being thrown around as being a, a possible sure. successor uh, in that role, and uh, that will really change the complexion of, uh, of, uh, of Oakland County. The times, at, at they the are changing. They are changing. Uh, and not necessarily in the Bob Roberts. The I mean, I, I, back I, way. I, I think <laughs> Brooks has done a pretty good job of managing the county, but I think his... His remarks, his gratuitous remarks about Detroit and the and the very you know creating, you know just kind of trolling, uh, is, is re- it was really sort of unnecessary. But that was his personality. He liked to shake it up, and he liked to be, you know, sort of the little bully from Oakland County. And the fact of the matter is that a lot of younger people from Oakland County they have stronger ties to Detroit as a city, right, uh, both when it comes to Wayne State as well as uh, when it comes to hanging out. Uh, there's a lot more synergy. Yeah, once Blackfin and- closed in Royal Oak, I mean, what's going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you're right. You're right. I mean, I, I think for years and years, uh, people out in West Bloomfield and you know Northern Oakland County and, and some other areas would brag and say, "I haven't been in the city in ten years." Well, that's changed now. I mean. I mean, you had then you had the little group that was like sort of the the London Chop House Tigers Fisher Theater, but I think that's expanded now. I think a lot more people are are discovering more in the city, and there's more to discover, really. Yeah. All right, I should remind folks you're watching the Monday Follies on Deadline Detroit. I'm Craig Folly. Of course, Alan Lengel is here. My friend Saeed Khan. We're talking about the news of the week. Uh, let's get back to this one, and this is a story we, we never get tired of talking about: Kwame Kilpatrick. And Kwame Kilpatrick, of course, as, as you and I have discussed before, 28 years, man, he got whacked. And, and I don't think that sentence was realistic given, given what's going on and what other people have gotten for similar type yeah. of transgressions. I, I think it's inappropriate. They made an example out of Kwame Kilpatrick for sure. But he is still trying to get out of jail. And I, I like that his latest argument was that his lawyer – was the one that had a conflict of interest. He was not represented properly because his lawyer was the one that had an improper relationship with the judge in the case because the judge had sent him a like a congratulatory card or a something wedding, like that. A wedding, a wedding card, card. Which is like I you know, I was saying before, I mean, I would love it if if my attorney, you know, I found out that my attorney had a connect like that that the judge, it's like who doesn't want – I mean, you want an attorney who has a good relationship with the judge, who might get a favor, yeah, you know, decision you know. on, on the judge. It's not something that you would normally complain about. His issue, I, I, if I'm remembering correctly, was his attorney, Jim Thomas, represented a client who was then going to be testifying in the case, and he felt that he wasn't going to be fairly cross-examining him. But – The judge decided, I mean, part of the problem is a big case like this, you prepare months and months and months, and then you want to fire your attorney. Well, it delays the trial for months and months and months. So the judge said, let's bring in Harold Gerowitz. He'll cross-examine so that we'll remove that. And she she addressed that, and and he's he's addressed that in in his appeals, and nobody has bought into it. And so now he's going at it in a little bit of a different way. By saying that, that I mean, his original thing was that my attorney had a, a conflict and 
my case should be over, overturned. Now he's saying the judge had a conflict and therefore she couldn't rule fairly on that issue. But the Court of Appeals has ruled on that, and I believe this. Well, this, and, and you, know. you were on Friday, if I'm not mistaken, you were reading the the response from the prosecutors on this one. It was a 22 pager right. where basically they just blasted him through and through and just called him remorseless. Well, he's never apologized. Yeah. He's an awful person. Here, and it, basically, what they were saying. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I mean, it's. I'll just read you one sentence. It says in Kwame Kilpatrick's view. The blame for his corruption convictions lies with everyone but him. He has never apologized, never accepted responsibility, never shown any remorse for extorting millions of dollars from from Detroit city contractors. And and it goes on to say that he's relied on you know well, scapegoats. But he you know he's it's it's interesting. I mean he's he he's a smart guy. He but you know. You can't be smarter than you can be smarter than one prosecutor. You can be smarter than one FBI agent, but you can't be smarter than the Justice Department, the U.S. Attorney's Office, the FBI collectively. And if you keep pulling what he did, eventually, it catches up. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. Well, well it definitely caught up for him. And I mean, he's running out of options. This is like his last gasp effort to yeah. avoid twenty-eight years. I, yeah. I, I'm not even sure that there's anything that can be shaved off of this sentence. So, I well, mean, there is, there is, there is a calculation. You get a little bit of good time. It's different than the state. If he were to serve the full 28 years, or it, actually, he'd only have to serve 24. You do, you that's do still get a some long breaks, time, but that's still man. a lot of time. I mean, it should have been really a, a fair sentence. Would have been anywhere from 10 to 15 years. I mean, the the point is, you're trying to be punitive. You're taking away this guy's life. He's not going to watch his kids grow up. He's his marriage is, I'm sure. Dis- I, I think it is dis- done, isn't it? Didn't she file? I think. Yeah, I oh think, yeah, they were yeah. divorced. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, she wasn't going to wait 20 years. There seems to be going around the mayor's yeah. office. I mean, considering he was cheating on her. She's not going to wait 28 years for him. She's not that. Well, hey, this desperate. reminds this reminds me of the scene in uh, the Blues Brothers uh, with uh, John Belushi and Carrie Fisher in the tunnel, and he's like up to like number or excuse number 29 now. <laughs> Floods, locusts. <laughs> it wasn't my fault. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> that is one of the yeah. That is a great one. But he's, it's it's an interesting figure. But there's there's no reason that I I covered. Uh, the Jefferson, Congressman Jefferson case down in New Orleans, he got 13 years, yeah. which at the time was the highest that any Congress member, and he was no longer a Congress member when he was sentenced, but that was the highest. And Rod Blagojevich, I believe, the next year got 14 years, and that was like, wow. Well, he tried to and, sell a Senate seat, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you and he got, he, just give he this got 14 away. years. And so what, what they said? based this on was a precedent. In a, in a bad precedent that down in Ohio, one of the county commissioners got 28 years and another person got 21 years, but that was way out of whack. So you take a bad precedent and is, then you create more precedent. Is it the new normal? Right, and, and it's. I, I think. And I think even some of the judges don't agree with that. That sense. I mean, that's no, just. Really, I guarantee you, there's a few people who are in jail right now for you know, drug dealing, with long sentences like that that probably right. aren't real upset that this is going on because right. as Bob Dylan famously said steal a little and they throw you in jail steal a lot and they make you king so you know, there you go somebody like had that. Dylan on his playlist this weekend that's two references awesome um, but uh, also Michael Cohen uh, just uh, reported to prison today ah, yes speaking. he did okay. and he says he can't wait to speak out about more things as soon as he's able wow that's exciting I know I know so we can wait for the next I, you know when show. I when I watched him testify before Congress I felt like it was like Sammy the Bull testifying against John Gotti it just had that feeling of to you know a guy 
who is not the most truthful guy testifying against the guy boss yeah. who is not that truthful. <laughs> yeah, and it felt like a kind of a mob kind of thing. Absolutely. Well, apparently Cohen may not be the most famous uh, resident at that prison. The situation from what, Jersey what Shore. Wow. Uh, whatever's the prison uh, that uh, Michael see Cohen he, is. I could see he and Cohen hanging out. There you go. You know? Was it GTL, Jim, Jim Tan Laundry? I, I think that's, like that. the, yeah, that's, the, that's the Troika. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Um, Sinclair Broadcasting, our favorite, right? Ooh. Yeah, yeah. They of the everybody must read this editorial. So every anchor in the country on their TV stations read the exact same editorial the exact same way about you know giving Donald Trump a chance. Uh, they're going to buy the Fox Sports Network. And that means Fox Sports Detroit and your Tiger games, your Red Wings games, your Pistons games are all going to have the Sinclair stamp on them at this point in time. And I'm wondering, what's the worst thing that could happen as a result of this? Because certain sports are already, you know, uh, I guess what would we call it, sort of, you know, America up, shall we speak? <laughs> like football is all about the military and, you know, yeah. and flags and all that kind of stuff. What is it going to be on Sinclair with baseball and, and hockey and all that kind of stuff? I just think there's going to be a lot of teams that Sinclair is going to be broadcasting that are not going to go to the White House, uh, which is going to create some interesting conflicts of interest. Because what then is going to be Sinclair coming in and saying, wait a minute, like the Red Sox today, I think over half their team are not going to be going to the White House. What, what is the kind of leverage that, that Sinclair is going to say when it comes to their uh, their broadcasting rights? Well, maybe, maybe this is Sinclair reading the writing on the wall about the popularity of news in general. Maybe they're going to shift the sports because people still watch that stuff. Um, you know, if you look at the ratings, even for a bad Tigers team, they're still better than most of the stuff in the market. Right. Uh, so you're saying Steve Ducey doing color commentary for the go. Yankees? I like it. I like it. The Deuce and Friends. The Deuce Friends. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Ducey is, uh, oh, man, don't get me started on Fox and Friends. Yeah. Why, why no, are you doing this? No, but I think you're raising a great point that is there going to be news editorializing during the interminability of a baseball game? It might be a bit Donald, tougher. Donald Trump might actually throw out the first pitch at, a, at an Orioles game for the first time oh, in his presidency, and they might say, that was the best first pitch ever thrown out by a first man ever of all time. Nobody's even close. I, I, I think. You know, I, I, Sinclair, I think, is a scary organization. Yes, indeed. I think, you know, I, I think Fox gets how to run sports. They, I, I mean, I don't see anything separate poli- division political. Yeah. yeah, it's a separate division there. I'm not. I, I'm a little bit nervous with uh, organization like Sinclair. Um, I, I, I don't, they, I don't know how you can politicize a Tiger game. That's what I'm wondering. Can, There's got to be way for them to do it. Yeah, if you can, they'll they'll do it. Well, I mean, you know, you, you, and Miguel you, Cabrera comes to bat. He's from that socialist uh, <laughs> country, Venezuela. I mean, there could be some commentary when they come up. Oh, listen, right. there's immigrant music playing as this walk-up music. Right. This I mean, team has more immigrants. <laughs> than, that's right. Uh, well, I'm wondering, uh, how do they get into this We're country? checking on their H-1B visa status and, right now. And then when you start getting into the shithole countries, I mean, that's a whole Ooh. different ball game. Right. Pun well, intended. Uh, Venezuela, approaching that rather quickly right now, unfortunately. Uh, lots of problems happening there, which uh-huh. that's a more serious conversation. But yeah. they're trying to figure out whether or not it's a socialist country or is it, frankly, a kleptocracy. The Trump administration is trying to figure out which one of those they agree with because they used to say it was a kleptocracy, and now they say this is the evils of socialism. I'm like, well, no, the leadership is basically just stealing. But so. it, it seems like uh, it, it's a failed coup, um, so that's going to be chalked up for a, a loss for uh, from the that's, Trump administration. That always goes over so well in that part of the world. Yeah. You know, they, they love America when we're involved in those sorts of things. Mm. All right, um, let's move on to this one. Uh, we'll get into some of the funny stories that we saw this week. 
Uh, I like this one. We're number one. Apparently, apparently there is a Taco Bell here in our wonderful state of Michigan that has been ranked the number one Taco Bell in America. It's in Midland. And uh, all the staff got Xboxes in reward for their hard work, which I think is great. Number one, it's it nice. Number one, basically. There are sales seven. Or? No, number one in the chain with and uh, basically for customer service and cleanliness, among other corporate requirements. They don't oh. say exactly what those corporate requirements are, but uh, that's not easy to do. One in seven thousand. It's right here in Taco Mountain. Bell. It's not so easy. That's what I'm talking I've about. Seen you some. know. It's like uh, Jim Gaffigan used to do a whole little thing about the Waffle House. And he'd, and he'd, <laughs> yeah. say, he'd say, yeah, the Waffle House is sort of like, think of a bathroom that serves waffles. <laughs> and then he says, what are the words you'll never hear at the Waffle House? Nice job cleaning up. <laughs> oh, man, I like Waffle House, too. Do you like Waffle well, I've never yeah. been to one. Really? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, most is of them harsh? are... harsh? Most of them are in yeah. the South, Alan, and, and, and I'll be honest with you, Waffle House is not exactly a bastion of, of, uh, of Jewish uh, fandom. Right, you right. Know, Even it's not a, kosher? <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. sure it's not. Oh, man, I'm, well, I'm, well, I'm done. matzo ball soup at the no, Waffle House. No, you are not. Um, and most, like I said, most of them are in places um, in the middle of nowhere in the South. There's lots of them. But right. they're everywhere down there. Well, there was a shooting at one, and somebody yeah. uh, became a hero. What was that? Yeah, in, that guy disarmed that the person. And, or some somewhere. Well, I went. Uh, I went uh, with West Virginia. Uh, I think it was it West Virginia. Yeah. I walked into one at eleven o'clock at night outside, like way south of Atlanta, with uh, three friends, and uh, and I did that go well. I went back into the car because I happened to have my guitar with me, and I said, "If anybody asks, we're a band," <laughs> because that's the only way we're going to get through right, this one. Right, right, right. But but Midland seems such an odd place. I mean, it's not a bastion of weed. Well, if you'd think that this is where the munchies come from, but Dow Chemical could have put something in the food ooh, to make Midland has slowly gotten a little bit more modern. I, I quite a while ago, they actually got like a cool coffee shop. In downtown right. Midland, and that was, you know, the start of well, they probably also, it, the is the gem of, it is it was the gem the of the Tri Cities area, though. Well, yeah. they've got well, it was know, the well, gateway for drugs, Bay City well, 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 and Saginaw. Who, yeah, look and, who's silver and bronze there. there but yeah. I mean, uh, but they also have a really good restaurant. It's pretty gourmet next yeah. to the hotel there. So oh, okay. yeah. So if you're headed up to Midland anytime soon, apparently there's a good restaurant in town and a clean Taco Bell. Actually, yeah. I think he and was going to say the best Taco Bell. Actually, actually I think know. what he meant to say is there's a good restaurant there and a gourmet place too. <laughs> right, right. There you go. There you go. Yeah. All right, let's take a look at this one. Um, there's this high school senior that just kept applying to colleges. She wants to be a teacher. She was accepted to 116 colleges and has been offered a cumulative $3.7 million in scholarships. Wow. And uh, she's from New Orleans. She's a senior in New Orleans. She wants to be a teacher. She wants to be an elementary school teacher, to which I said, basically, she's going to be paying back student loans for college just on the application fees that she had to do for 116 universities. My God, that's overkill. She's yeah. been accepted to 116, which means that she has applied. To, uh, there's 11 more that she hasn't heard from. One, great track record. But if you're accepted what, to... What are the universities? Are there any? Yeah, what's, there's 116 what's like, of them. I'm not going to go through what's that. Like the top? Any, uh, I mean, are there any like in the top... Well, the table? it didn't really say. It didn't really say. But um, so she's been dual enrolled at, at a community college for two semesters while in high school. But she's got a cumulative 3.5 GPA. Um, and she's in National Honor Society, all that kind of stuff. But 118 colleges or 116 have said yes. And still waiting to hear back from 11. I mean, that's 
we whittled why? it down. Why, yeah, why apply to so many? A, I mean, right, it, it could be a Guinness thing. I get that. Maybe you're going for that right. sort of thing. But it costs money to apply to those places, and it's not cheap. Yeah. Well, maybe her personal statement was about how she's a hoarder. Yeah. <laughs> maybe she just likes mail. I remember my senior year. My senior year in college at Michigan State, I mean, I had, my roommates were applying for med school and law school, and I was applying for all these newspapers, and we got mail every day. The mail was such a big deal. And in fact, we had a lamp in the, in the living room, and I'd come home, and what they had, my roommates would be home earlier, they would hold the letters up to the uh to the light so they could read through it and i'd walk in and they'd say hey al uh the muskegon chronicle rejected you (laughs) thanks well they saved you from opening up the envelope saved Saved you from a paper cut well they they saved you from a life in muskegon too yes that too (laughs) close to the lake i get that but it's not close to midland and the taco bell Ooh, very true we have no idea about the status of the taco bells over there in muskegon that may not work all right a couple more um did you see this story uh they were testing a roller coaster out in New Jersey, and apparently they had some test dummies in it. And the test dummies went flying off of the thing and crashed into the roof of a hotel that was next door. So wow. they went flying. And uh, the people said, sorry, it was a problem with the dummies, not with the ride itself. And right. I'm thinking to myself, oh, hell no, I'm not going on that right. thing. Well, you know, dummies have been known to drink. <laughs> well, still, think about that. If you're testing out your thing and all of a sudden these two dummies go flying off at rocket speed and fly right. into a hotel next door, um, that might make you sit right. there and wonder I, if you engineered this thing well enough. If you believe their story, then you might be a dummy. Ooh, there you go. Very good. But they said this was a mishap with the water dummy itself, not with the ride in any way. There is nothing more to add. That nothing was their entire statement. Now, as a PR person... I might have gotten into a little bit more detail about what they screwed up with the dummies rather than just saying, there's nothing to see here. Maybe eh, the dummies are defective. Rogue, rogue dummies. Rogue dummies, exactly. I'm <laughs> like, well, wait, is there anything that a human could do that could recreate what the dummies did in this type of a, of a scenario? I heard that they were filled with water. Yeah. So, I mean, just the idea that they were not as just... rigid as human bodies, allowing them to wiggle free of the safety restraints on the roller oh. coaster. Yeah, but aren't we like 70% water ourselves? There you go. <laughs> That's right. And one. some of us are more malleable than others. This is also true. <laughs> you know, so. But I mean, what would have been awesome is if they would have actually put red food coloring in the water just <laughs> for the effect. But, and, I, you know. And I, I was going to say that I, as soon as the show is over, I'm going to make sure I copyright that because I think it's a good movie name. Rogue dummies. <laughs> nice. I kind of like it. You know, there was that band, the Crash Test Dummies. Uh, that's true. Oh, I with, like with um, that wonderfully yeah, baritone you know? voice. Yeah. Yeah, so he was down here. But, um, yeah, yeah, I was listening to them a couple of days ago, as a matter of fact. They came up on the playlist, and I, oh, wow. I don't remember it as fondly as I did back then. Well, you have The to 90s listen, are far removed. You have to listen to the Weird Al cover version of that song. Which one? The mm, the mm song. song, yeah, yeah because okay. because he talked about like John Wayne Bobbitt, and he talked about the kid who got in trouble and got caned in Singapore, and I forget who the third person was. <laughs> All right, take a look at this. We'll end with this one because I think this is you know quintessential America. <laughs> this is down in Virginia. Didn't didn't look up Florida man this week, so I apologize, everybody. No Florida man this week, uh, but we do have Virginia man, and so it was a, a guy who was hanging out with. The man that his daughter was dating. So there may be more to this story than, than we're hearing. But apparently the two of them got into an argument which led to a shooting. Not unusual. Potential father-in-law shooting a potential son-in-law. 
there's jokes <laughs> about this kind of stuff all the time, right? <clears throat> but apparently, the shooting was as a result of an argument that they had over whether or not Chevy or Ford makes a better truck. Oh, right. That's worth, I mean, that's worth killing somebody over. You know, I, can, I can see. Apparently, that. it is. Uh, you know, because this guy did it. Like I said, I think there's more to this. Right. Maybe he just doesn't like this guy. Right. It's entirely possible. He's not good enough for my daughter, kind of thing. <laughs> you sure this wasn't going to be He's, an ad for like a Sinclair-owned uh, sports show? That's exactly right. I think maybe he was waiting for something better to come along to shoot him, but thought. This is close enough. <laughs> I think I'm justifiable in this. So this is going to probably like age all of us, but you remember there used to be that commercial for Time Life with the series about the Wild West, and they always used to talk about John Wesley Harding, who once uh, killed a man just for snoring. So that's right. That's the first thing I thought, wow. that, there, that, the, yeah. that the trigger on this guy was What's probably that, that was pretty low. Bunch, wasn't it? Yeah. Uh, that that John Wesley Harding story showed up in, in the Brady Bunch. No, too. Jesse James showed up on the Brady Bunch, man. That, oh, that, that's that, right. Uh, Bob, Bobby right. was uh, idolizing Jesse James. That's and right. Then... Jesse James killed my father. That's right. That's right, the grandfather. Well, no, interestingly enough, here's what happened. Because this didn't just involve the son. The daughter got injured, too. Because apparently they're arguing over which of these trucks is better. And the kid brings out the knife. And somehow... His girlfriend ends up getting stabbed. She's got a six-inch wound in her lower back or something like that, which is pretty significant. So then the guy goes inside, gets the gun. She tries to de-escalate with the knife wound, and she's trying to keep them apart. And he shot, the, he shot her in the leg five times and then shot her son in the arm. There you go. So, um, yeah, and then she, two of the two bullets that, that were fired ricocheted and ended up hitting the son's girlfriend in the back and in her cheek. Wow. Over a truck. So wow. you don't get angry that, about taste great less filling? I mean, what would have happened if you would have said Toyotas were better trucks? Ooh. I mean, that would have just been – I have a feeling somebody would have been strung up for that one. Right, right. That, sure. uh, or you ninja'd. Know, ninja'd. <laughs> is there, is there some way that the car companies can make a commercial out of that? Like Chevy worth dying for. You know, <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. But here's, here's my favorite part of the whole story, and, and you've got to get to the bottom to where this one shows up. It says – Police officer Nance said that alcohol might have been involved. Oh, you think? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And there was possible drug activity wow. at the residence. You and when you so. look at the picture, and if you actually look at the mugshot of this guy, um, yeah. So I, I know a guy pulls a gun on me, and I'm saying Chevy. He pulls a gun on me. I say, no, Ford, you're right. Ford. Ford. Ford's okay Ford's with better. me. That's exactly right. I'm, I'm not going – I'm not – Going down for that. No, yeah. absolutely uh, not. This is, this is why, as a rule, I don't hang out with people with pickup trucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, uh, all right. So so the big news this week, um, you know, obviously for Saeed and I, is that uh, Johnny Marr is playing in town. So any Smiths fans out there, you got to make sure you hit that show. It's at St. Andrews. Yep. Can't beat that one. So I'm going to try to get there Saturday night. I think it's Saturday night. Saturday night. So that's about it. But, hey, we'll be back on Friday. Uh, with the week that was that we'll do this live streaming thing on. Of course, the podcast is available anywhere you get podcasts, The Craig Folly Show. And, of course, this has been the Monday Follies on The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Alan Legel, thank you very much. Thanks for Saeed Khan, me. thank you very thank much. You. Enjoy your summer break, which you've got coming up. Are you teaching classes this spring? Starting tomorrow. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Well, we'll have you back anyway. We All appreciate right. it very much. Thanks to Michael Lucido for engineering the broadcast once Yay. again today. And uh, we will see everybody next week for more Follies. See you then. The Craig Folly Show is made possible in part by Deadline Detroit. One-stop shopping for all your news. Also, home to Deadline Detroit TV, which includes The Zip, a weekly wrap-up of the week's news with some humor, 
Deadline Detroit, one-stop shopping for all your news. Hey there, my name is Seth Ressler. Hi everyone, it's Becky Scarcello. I am new to the Detroit area. And I've been here my whole life. So we started a podcast together. It's called The D. Brief. Detroit's arts and entertainment podcast. We cover concerts, comedy, plays, food, drink, all kinds of stuff. All the cool events around town, things to do, and the people that are doing them. Can we talk about some of the people we've had as guests on this podcast? Hey, this is Mark Kurlianchik, the restaurant critic for the Detroit Free Press. Hi, I'm Ian DeLisi, and I host Essential Music on 1019 WDET. Hi, this is Mark Ridley of Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Hey, this is Kate Williams, executive chef of Lady of the House. Hey, this is Meltdown from WRAF in Detroit. This is Josh Mallerman, author of Bird Box. This is Carmen Hurst. Curator of film at the Detroit Institute of Arts. President and founder of Valentine Distilling Company. The general manager of innovation experiences for the Henry Ford. Arts and entertainment editor at the Detroit Free Press. The Michigan Science Center. Arts Beats and Detroit. If you like going out in the city of Detroit, you're going to like this podcast. The Debrief Podcast. We like to say Detroit's moving. Keep up. The Debrief. Your guide to Detroit's arts and entertainment scene.